other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC, a.k.a. Election Central. I'm Frank Morano, and for the next four hours, you are going to hear the most comprehensive, most hard-hitting, most wide-ranging, fair and balanced discussion of and analysis of yesterday's elections. We have people on the left, the right, the center, people calling in from all over the country with results, with analysis, and about what it means for you. So stay tuned. It's interesting. My wife and I voted early. We went to vote, uh, I guess, about a week and a half ago. And in our election district, there was no opposition for state Senate, no opposition for state assembly. And there was no opposition for four of the judges or three of the judges that we ended up voting for. And my wife said essentially to me, I can't believe this district and this district and this district. They had no competition. The voters deserve a choice. And I said to her, who do you expect to run? These are districts that are safe for one party or another. And to ask people to spend their entire summer vacation begging for money and begging for votes and spend all this time uh, when they know there's no statistical way that they can win, who do you expect to run? And sure enough, our district is not the exception, but the rule. 40 New York City elected officials and candidates were running completely unopposed on Election Day, and that doesn't even include the judges, meaning that as long as they bothered to vote for themselves, they won a term in office next year. And I'm mentioning this for two reasons. One, I think this again shows the need for wholesale reform of our electoral political system. I think we need nonpartisan elections, and I think we need it now. Enough of these one-party districts, it's just too much. It's just too much. There's no competition. There needs to be competitive elections and the voters deserve a choice on election day. The other reason I mention it is I was on another radio program yesterday. They asked me, oh, are you going to denounce so-and-so if he loses? And my response, and this is true, is that no, I have a great deal of respect for anybody that runs for office, especially if they're not likely to win. If they go out there and give it their all and put their record before the voters and they don't win after all that, these people deserve our respect and our thanks because it's those people running for office that keep every election from being uncontested and the North American version of communist China. I would like you to keep that in mind. Whether your candidate won or whether your candidate lost, don't gloat. Instead, appreciate the people that ran and didn't get elected. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Thank you for listening to our special post-election coverage. All told, we are going to have about 14 or 15 people on the show tonight, with most of them coming in studio. And I appreciate their taking time away from their family, time away from sleeping, to join me in studio when we're not paying anybody. Uh, the best I can do for them is give them a promotional pen. And I was going through my Rolodex today, trying to find the best analysts, the best experts, the best newsmakers to join me on the four hours of the program today. And I made a list of 
of the most irritating responses back that I got from people who could have simply said, no, I'm not available. Now, I could deal with, no, I'm not available. I get it. You know what I can't stand? I wish I'd had more notice. Now, that's got to be the most irritating, annoying response in the world. Oh, I would come in. I wish I had more notice. All right. Well, I wish I was six foot three and uh, 185 pounds. <laughs> I wish I had $5 million in the bank. I wish a lot of things. If wishes were horses, then beggars would ride. There's no need for you to share your wishes with me. Just tell me you can't do it. It kills me. The other thing that I always get a lot of kick out of is whenever people say, I need my beauty sleep. Like two or three people wrote back to me and as a reason for why they couldn't come in and said, I need my beauty sleep. All right, just tell me you can't come in. I hate that phrase, need my beauty sleep. So you know what my response to all these people was? Yes, you do. You clearly do. The other one uh, that drives me nuts with people is when they know I'm on at night, or at least you'd assume they do. It's in my email signature, and they'll write back to me after I can try to confirm them for XYZ time. All right, can you be available at 3 a.m., 2 a.m., 1 a.m., whatever time? And they'll say, all right, yes, I can be there 1 o'clock p.m. in the afternoon tomorrow. No, no. I'm talking about tonight. I'm talking about 1 o'clock in the morning. That's why it says 1 o'clock a.m. E.T. That's what it means. 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry to vent to you on this, but uh, I figured I would share with you, if I'm ever inviting you to be a guest on this program, the three phrases in response that just drive me up the wall. One, I need my beauty sleep. Two, I wish I'd had more notice. And three, sure, I'll be available, just not at the time you're asking me. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. As you may know, if you listen to this show regularly, I don't really like chains, and I really don't like Starbucks coffee. I don't like the way the coffee tastes, and I don't really don't like the whole Starbucks culture. But there's one thing that I really do like about Starbucks. It's that... They let non-customers and non-paying visitors use their restrooms, and they've been doing that since 2018. And apparently there's some speculation that Starbucks may be reverting its policy. That's according to Bloomberg. And this highlights a very big problem in America's cities, including New York. We are seeing the demise of public restrooms. Now, Starbucks is not the first private establishment to be known for its lavatory. The U.S. has a long history of businesses using restrooms as a selling point, saloons, department stores, gas stations. But it raises the question, why do we rely on private businesses for restrooms in the first place? You see, public restrooms used to be something that the public provided, that cities provided to people that didn't want to hold it in. And they experienced a boom in the early 20th century in part to prohibition, as some feared that shutting down saloons would result in a toilet shortage. But several factors have slowed momentum of public restrooms over the course of the last 80 years or so. One is that there are high costs involved. Early 20th century public restrooms or comfort stations were built with high ceilings and ornate tiles to give the image of high sanitation standards, but it also made for expensive upkeep. You also have suburban flight. As Americans left cities for the suburbs after World War II, 
the focus shifted to highway rest stops. And then there's safety concerns. In the 60s and the 70s, and we're seeing a resurgence of some of these concerns now, public restrooms became known for violence and drug use, illicit hookups, and that led many cities to shut off access. So what now? Well, there are a couple of nonprofit groups that are campaigning to expand the number of public restrooms in America's cities. There's also a TikTok account that offers free bathrooms in New York so that you know where to go when you have to go. Irrespective of how you voted yesterday, this is an issue that I hope Democrats, Republicans and independents can all get together on. We need more public restrooms, not just in New York, but in every city in America. And this ought to be a priority for all of our elected officials. There's nothing worse than having to make the decision to either urinate in the street or to just keep holding it in. Neither one is a great option. And a lot of women don't have either of those options. Let's get some more public restrooms. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. After this election, I think the state GOP is going to have to do some soul searching, as they do after every election loss. And a lot of people are going to be asking the question, what could the state GOP do differently? How can they start winning elections again? Because you remember, it wasn't long ago that the Republicans controlled statewide elective office except for one. You had a Republican senator. You had a Republican governor, lieutenant governor, attorney general. And this is not the case anymore. Now, the mayor of New York City is no longer Republican. A lot of the prominent county executive seats around the state are no longer Republican. So what can they do differently? I think a lot of the problem has to do with the things that you need to do to win the primary versus the things that you need to do to win the general election. In the primary, the thing that you need to do is run to the right. You need to gin up your base. You need to pretend Joe Biden didn't win the election. You need to stoke the fires of right-wing extremism. And in the general election, you need to run to the center. You need independents and swing voters and Democrats to vote for you. Those two things are directly at odds. How can you have a situation where you can win the primary without being dragged to the right and taking positions that are untenable for the general election? Here's how. And the state GOP can solve this problem tomorrow. And I suggested this to them years ago. And because the people that run the GOP are more interested in control than winning elections, this has fallen upon deaf ears. The state Republican Party needs to do what Curtis Lee and I did when we were in the leadership of the Reform Party. The state Republican Party needs to pass a rules change pronto, just as the Republican Party of Connecticut did in the 1980s, saying that from now on, unaffiliated voters can vote in Republican primaries. What that would do is send a message to independent voters that they're welcome to participate in the candidate process, the candidate selection process. Additionally, you'd end up with candidates that aren't so extreme, and you'd end up with candidates that are more palatable to a general election audience. It sends the message to independent voters, we value you, we want you to participate, we thank you for paying the taxes for us to have on our primary. Instead... The GOP base is just shrinking and shrinking, except in some ethnic communities like Russian communities and Chinese communities and Hispanic to some extent. That is not a recipe for winning statewide. If the Republican Party wants to win statewide, they need to pass a rules change tomorrow, opening their primaries to unaffiliated voters, as other states do. Beam me up! To be continued.